the birth of John the Baptist foretold. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abishai. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice before his, because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant, and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. The birth of John the Baptist. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, 
There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. To everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbours were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Amen. Now, if you do have your Bible there, please do turn back to Luke chapter 1 as we think about the story of John the Baptist this morning. Now, as we come this morning to, to worship, I'm sure that most of us cannot quite believe that it's the first Sunday in Advent. Where has 2022 gone? It's been very unusual the last few years, but where has 2022 gone? And you may have come into church this morning, you're like, goodness, the Christmas tree and the candles and all the decorations are, uh, are up. But today is the first Sunday in Advent, and as Christmas Day is a Sunday this year, uh, the 27th of November is as early as Advent uh, could fall. Now, during Advent this year, as I said earlier, uh, we are thinking about celebration, as December is our designated month uh, of celebration. We have a lot on uh, during December as we think about uh, the birth of Jesus, even though we're not quite at December yet. But there are lots of things happening in the church, um, so let's not forget uh, to invite people. It's still our month of invitation, uh, so let's not forget to invite people uh, along. Uh, and do remember, uh, pick up a leaflet. It's got all the Christmas services uh, on the rear, and do give them uh, to people. There is still some uh, in the hall. Now, as we come to this uh, season of Advent, we, we might already be rolling our eyes at the number of Christmas adverts that we see on our television. And though some of us love this season, and there's some of you here today who are like, oh, I can't wait to get my Christmas tree up. I can't wait to get my Christmas socks out the drawer. I can't wait to get my Christmas jumper on. There are others of us who are thinking, oh, here we are again. We're at this time of year. And maybe you find it quite wearisome. But of course, whilst our society is concerned with the cultural aspects of Christmas, it's important for us to realize what an opportunity it is for us as a church to share the good news of the gospel and to celebrate more than just lit up trees and turkey. Because for some people, that's all Christmas is. We know it's something far greater, don't we? Now, this Advent, we are going to focus on celebration and all those who celebrate the coming of Jesus. Because when we look at the birth narratives in the Gospels, uh, particularly in Matthew's Gospel and in Luke's Gospel, what do we see? Sometimes we miss it, but what we see is celebration. Now, this morning, Nicole read for us two parts of Luke chapter 1, one which prophesied the birth of John the Baptist, 
and the other where it's fulfilled. Now, the story starts with frustration and difficulty, doesn't it? And in more ways than one. And this is the wonderful thing that I hope you notice in this story, because it's really obvious in this story, but you also notice it in many stories in the Bible. And what I want you to notice, first of all, is how God is working in, in multifaceted ways. He's working on, on more than, than diff, uh, one level. Because at one level, what, what do we have? Well, at a basic level, we have a faithful couple in Zechariah and Elizabeth who have the heartbreak in their lives of not being able to conceive. And now they're both very old. I don't know what very old meant in those days, but they're very old. That's what it says in our passage. And they're struggling. They're disappointed. They're facing this, this difficulty in, this, in, in their lives. And in this culture, it was, it was a bit of a disgrace not to have children. It was as though God was not blessing them. And so they're struggling, disappointed, perhaps wondering where God is in terms of helping them. But at another level, what's happening? Well, Israel has been waiting. There has been a promised Messiah. And many years have passed and nothing seems to be happening. And maybe some in Israel are disenchanted, thinking the Messiah will never come. And it's clear that Israel has been turning away from the Lord. And so what we need to see is there's two different things that are going on. And into this situation where there's a struggling older couple and a struggling nation holding by its fingertips to a promise from old, what happens? Well, this is the wonder of this passage. What happens? Well, God intervenes. God intervenes. Because what happens in the story? Well, Zechariah is a priest. Zechariah's division happens to be on duty in the temple. And it's no coincidence, is it, that Zechariah is chosen by Lot to go and burn incense in the temple. And we have to remember here that each priestly division served in the temple for just two weeks a year. And because of the large number of priests, each, each individual priest would only burn incense once in their lifetime. Now, it's no coincidence then, is it, that this time, when the lots are pulled, it's Zechariah who's chosen. And he goes in to burn incense. And as he goes in to burn incense, it's then that an angel of the Lord appears to him as Gabriel. And tells him that his prayer has been answered. And that Elizabeth will bear a son who is to be called John. And then the angel then goes on to tell Zechariah of what John will do. That he'll bring many back. Uh, he'll bring back many of the people of Israel uh, to the Lord their God. And he will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So what I want you to notice is that God is answering Zechariah's prayer, but he's also, at the same time, answering the prayers of God's people 
over the centuries. Now that's how amazing God is, that that he can do both things at once. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not terribly good at multitasking. You can ask Anna. I'm in the car. I'm listening to the radio. I have no idea what she's saying to me. I can't do two things at once. Few of us really, truly can. But the amazing thing is, God can do more than one thing at once. He, he, can, he can hear a prayer from this couple and work it into the plan of salvation. Is that not wonderful? And I love the fact that the angel says to Zechariah that John will be a joy and a delight to you. Children are a joy and a delight, aren't they? And this is a time of real celebration for Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it will be for the people of Israel, even though they don't quite know it yet. Now, when Zechariah hears this message from this angel, from from Gabriel, understandably, he can't quite believe what he hears. He hears the angel, he hears what the message is, but he's also thinking in the back of his mind, hold on, there, there are obstacles here. He knows he is old, he knows Elizabeth is old, and it just seems impossible. How can this be? Now, of course, we know, don't we? And we know from the birth narrative that nothing is impossible with God. But because he has doubted, Zechariah is told he'll be unable to speak until the things that Gabriel has said have come true. And so when Zechariah goes out from burning the incense and goes out among the people, he's unable to speak. He's unable to say anything. They know from this that clearly something has happened in there. Now, of course, there might be a lesson here for us also. Because however unlikely it may be that God might answer our prayer, maybe you've been praying for something for for many, many years, However unlikely a prayer might be, we must never doubt that God can do it, that he has the power to do it. And if he says he will do it, he will do it. And we must always be careful when we question God in terms of his ability to do something. Because sometimes we might pray and we think, oh, really, you know, there's too many obstacles. There's no, there's no way that God could work that out. But I want to say to you today, God can. And God will, if he's promised it. We must be careful. I love the verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 where the writer there says, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven, and you're on earth. So let your words be few. Let your words be few. Now, Zechariah here has no choice but to let his words be few, because he can't speak. He can't speak until the birth of his son, which, of course, is in the second part of our reading, because after John the Baptist is born, the baby is about to be circumcised, and the family are going to, to name him Zechariah. And that makes sense, isn't it? 
Even nowadays, we tend to use kind of family names in our, in our families when we, we have children. But Elizabeth at that point speaks up and says, no, he's, he's going to be called John. And the family are like, well, hold on a second. There's no one, no one in the family is called John. Why would you be calling him John? Sometimes that might happen in your own family too. And so they obviously turn to, to Zechariah because they don't quite believe Elizabeth at this point. And Zechariah has to get this tablet and Zechariah confirms that the child's name is to be John, which means the Lord is merciful. The Lord is merciful. And it's then, at that moment, that Zechariah's tongue is set free and he's able to speak. And what does he do, first of all? What does he say, first of all? Well, he praises God. Now, we didn't quite have time to read Zechariah's song just at the end of the chapter. I think the reading we gave Nicol was long enough this morning. But that song gives us some idea as to what Zechariah praises God for. And it's interesting, because Zechariah praises God not just for giving Elizabeth and himself a son, but because Zechariah understands something of the bigger picture, that God is working out the plan of salvation. That's what Zechariah is praising God for, that God is doing something something greater, that this child, this child John, will prepare the way for the Lord. That's quite a lot of understanding. If you, you go home and meditate upon Zechariah's song, Understand the understanding that, that Zechariah has. Perhaps that time of silence has been good for Zechariah. Now, what are we to make of these passages today? Well, what I want you to notice, first of all, is the joy and the celebration. The joy and the celebration. You see, you might come to this Christmas period and you're jaded. You might come to this Christmas period and think, oh, I've seen it all before, and I don't really like Turkey very much anyway, and oh, it's just hard going. I want to say to you this morning, if we focus just upon the cultural aspects of Christmas, that will be our experience. But if we go deeper, if we look at the gospel story, the story of Christmas, then we'll be filled with joy. And we will have something to celebrate. You see, the angel Gabriel tells Zechariah that John will be a joy and a delight and that many will rejoice because of his birth. And I hope you notice that when John is born, the neighbors and relatives share Elizabeth's joy. There's more joy. And then when Zechariah's tongue is loosened, what does he do? Is he miserable? Oh, had all these months when I couldn't say a thing? Is that what he does? No. He praises God. And all the neighbors are filled with awe. And the people throughout Judea talk about these things. They wonder who John is going to be. And so what I want you to notice this morning is the joy, the wonder, the awe, the celebration, the praise. And the amazing thing is, John's just the forerunner. He's like the starter. He's not even the main course. That's, what, that's the amazing thing, isn't it? 
And yet you see these people and they're in awe and they're in wonder and they see what's going on and the news is just spreading. You know when something happens in West Kilbride and you know the, the word just goes out. You can imagine that happening in Judea. Do you hear? Hear about this child that's been born and you know Zechariah couldn't speak because he'd seen something in the temple and then suddenly he's able to speak and he was praising God and he was saying this child is going to be something to do with the Messiah to come. You can imagine the excitement, the joy. John's just a forerunner. So the question for us is, are we so excited about Jesus? Are we so excited about Jesus? Are we excited that Jesus has come? And that when it was impossible for us to come into a relationship with God because we were separated from God because of our sin, Are we excited that God has reached out to us in grace and given us his only son? Are we excited by that? Do we thrill within our hearts? Are we in awe? Are we filled with praise? Now, of course, we know that message is not just for Christmas, is it? That message is for every day. And I think if we wake up each morning and we remember who Jesus is and we remember that we are broken sinners who do not deserve God's grace and yet he has given us grace in Jesus, I think it will revolutionize our life. You see, do we thrill at what God has done? Are we in awe? Are we filled with praise? And if we come to worship this morning and and we're not really in that place, then maybe we need to use this time of Advent to be quiet before God as Zechariah was and to reflect and to wonder afresh at this wonderful story. You see, Zechariah, Elizabeth, all the family, what did they do? They rejoiced. They celebrated. May we in our lives also rejoice and celebrate it. Celebrate. Now, just one last thing this morning. I want you to notice in this passage, because maybe you're here this morning, you're like, well, that's very well for you to say, you know, all this joy stuff, and, you know, but I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling in my life. Things are hard for me. I want you to notice in this passage that Zechariah and Elizabeth had had a hard time. They'd been praying for a child probably for many, many years. They'd been facing disgrace for many, many years. They had faced many years of hurt, many years of wondering whether God heard their prayers. But then they found that God not only heard, but God had a greater plan than they could ever have imagined. For many, this Christmas period can be difficult. And maybe as you come to worship today, there are struggles and you wonder, you know, has God heard your prayers? Now, I'm not saying this morning that God will answer your prayers in such an amazing and miraculous way as he answered Zechariah's. But you can be assured that the same God who cares and cared for Zechariah and Elizabeth 
The same God who cared for Israel and cares for Israel. The same God that cares for the world by giving his only son. That same God cares for you. There are many things that we can't understand in life. And maybe we'll never understand this side of eternity. But we know that God is gracious. That God is compassionate. That God is loving. That he is a God of truth and justice. That he's someone that we can trust. As I was in the shower this morning, I do a lot of my thinking and praying in the shower. That is a good place to be. I know a minister who does it in the bath, but I'm more of a shower person. And I was thinking about this passage this morning, and I was thinking, it came to my mind, you know, what would have happened in this passage? Or what would have happened in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth if early on in their marriage they had prayed for a child and God had given them a child straight away? They wouldn't have gone through all this hurt, but they also wouldn't have experienced the joy at the end of it, would they? Sometimes in our life, I wonder if we pray for things, we expect God to answer straight away, but actually we're much more concerned about our comfort than we are about God's glory. What I want you to see in this passage is that Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed. They prayed for many years. They faced that difficulty. They faced that hurt. But what happened at the end? God was given the glory. And God was working his purposes out in a far more wonderful way than if God had answered their prayer right at the beginning of their marriage. And I want to encourage you with that today. Maybe you've been praying for something for for many, many years, and you're like, God, are you listening? Are you there? But maybe God is working out a greater purpose than you can see. He certainly was doing this for Zechariah and Elizabeth. He was certainly doing this for Israel. Because John, who was John? The forerunner of Jesus. Jesus, who is the light of the world. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is so much we could concentrate on in this passage today. We thank you for the faithfulness of Zechariah and Elizabeth, how they continued to pray even though things had been difficult for them. And Father, we thank you for the way that the angel Gabriel met with Zechariah, how their prayer was answered, and that you gave them a son, John. But we thank you, Lord God, that you were working on two different levels that you were caring for a faithful couple. But you were also preparing the way for salvation, preparing the people of Israel, preparing the whole world to receive the Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we pray during this Advent period, however we come to it, perhaps we come and we are weary and we're a bit jaded by all the festivities already. But Lord God, we pray that we would focus upon the main message of Christmas, that we would focus upon Jesus and why he has come, that we would recognize that Jesus has come and he is the light, the light shining in the darkness, 
and the darkness will never overcome that light. We pray also this morning, Lord God, that in the midst of the joy and the celebration, if we ourselves are struggling, as Zechariah and Elizabeth struggled for so many years, that, Lord God, we would keep trusting in you, that we would keep trusting that you know what is best for us, that we would keep trusting that you will answer our prayers in accordance with your will, and that you know the beginning and the end. You know the greater purpose, and you are working your purposes out. We ask for forgiveness for those times when we pray only for our own comfort, rather than praying for your glory. And we pray more and more, Lord God, as you gave Zechariah spiritual eyes to see the greater plan, that, Lord God, you would also give us spiritual eyes to see truly what you're doing in our lives and in the lives around us of those that we love. So, Lord God, speak to us through your words, we pray this day. In Jesus' name, amen.